Welcome to the Radical Flow podcast. My name is Angela. Radical Flow is flow that's on a mission, and that mission is to create a much better reality for us all. Welcome to episode 26. As many of you may already know, I'm a trained 500-hour Kundalini Tantric yoga teacher. I have extensive experience teaching both classes as well as teacher's trainings. I fell in love with yoga about 15 years ago, but prior to that, I'd never even been to a class. At that time, 15 years ago, I was still with my husband, and he and I and our son had just sold everything and taken off traveling. We were in Sedona, and I became interested in an Ayurveda cleansing practice known as Panchakarma. So I found the local practitioner and spent three days in these deep cleanses and decadent body treatments. It was awesome. When we concluded, Avani, that brilliant and classically trained Ayurvedic doctor, said, you need yoga. Go to seven centers. I was on the first few months of a fresh new adventure, having just left a six-figure corporate career, an organic farm, and everything that I knew to just step one foot in front of the other and explore who I was and how I might feel more comfortable in my own skin. Put bluntly, at that time, I was on a mission to fix myself. Well, the next morning, I wandered over to the yoga studio for an 8 a.m. beginner's class. Seven Centers Yoga Arts was a teacher training school who had community classes at the same time. When I arrived, I entered this cozy little yurt and met with Mira, a vibrant little 22-year-old yoga teacher slash Ayurvedic chef slash student of Ayurvedic medicine. I was the only one who showed up. And for the next eight classes, I went, Mira taught me, and my body started feeling amazing. I hadn't realized that I'd somehow become this collection of body parts just connected at joints. Doing yoga under Mira's guidance was connecting my body into one fluid unit that moved like a singularity. I felt more graceful, more relaxed, definitely more flexible. So many wonderful things were happening to me on that physical level. But that was just the foundation of it. What was really happening was I was settling into my squirmy, uncomfortable body in ways I had never done. Not only was I feeling better, I was looking better. In eight classes, I was hooked. Then Mira said, on a day when I had her all to myself, your body is built for yoga, it loves it. I agreed. Then she said, you should take the teacher training. I looked at her like one of those dogs that's confused, you know, head tipped to the side with a big huh coming out of my mouth. She laughed and I said, I don't want to be a yoga teacher. And then she said, well, you don't have to be. A lot of people come for the deep dive of the practice to learn and just be in this month long away from it all experience. Well, all I heard was, month-long, away-from-it-all experience and deep dive, and I was in. This was October, and the training was the following April. It was done. I enrolled. 
Now, the storyteller in me wants to savor each of these nuances of the past 15 years of training and teaching, but I'm certain you'd be long gone if I put you through that. So for brevity, let me just say this. My first training ignited my love for Kundalini activation. It captivated my mind with the hows and whys of each breath and movement. The science was phenomenal. But more than that, after 30 days of immersion, I was no longer looking at myself like I was broken. I was looking at myself as a wonderful human in a messy and delightful experience of living and creating through a human body, doing the best job I knew how in every moment. It wasn't like I was learning yoga. It was like I was remembering it, like I was embodying the knowledge and the experience, like it was waking up from inside my cells. My mind craved the delicious explanations that followed a unique experience. I wasn't being told what it was or what it did. I was living it in every cell, discovering it, remembering it. You may have heard me talk about teachers. I always attract the most powerful teachers for me. And I'm always so inspired by the gifts they share and the humbleness of their egos. No words are ever going to express the kind of gratitude that I wish I could. But Shraddha Sagar, Mira, Sydney, Hari Jap, Zach, Katie and Rachel, Uta and David, and so many more taught me so much. I love them and admire them. I went from that one training into chakra intensives, then neurofeedback brain training and energy healing, and then a 3HO kundalini and tantric training and conflict resolution and on and on and on and on and on. Soon I was teaching in the teacher's trainings and learning exponentially more. Even today, as I taught my morning class online to the Flow Tribe, I learned as energy flows through my system and words flow out of my mouth, I learn constantly. My secret wish in this podcast is that it might spark some fascination for yoga for you. And so in that wish, I'd love to share what I call the dance of the elements, how everything kind of works together to create harmony and everything. So grab your beverage and I'm going to tell you a story about you. But first, let's just nail down a couple of terms and concepts. Now, most people have heard of chakras. And just a little point here, not chakras. It's not the correct pronunciation, it's chakra. Chakras are centers along the body, front and back of the spine, and on the top of the bottom at the crown and pelvic floor. Inside the spine, inside the spinal cord, is a pathway known as shushumna in Sanskrit, or shushmunya in Gurmukhi. Now, this central channel is a pathway in space between the particles, and it connects your root to your third eye in the chakra system. So go ahead and imagine your spine like it's a flute. The chakras are like the holes on the flute. The top is where you blow into it, and the bottom is where the breath flows out. Can you see it? Imagine it, a flute in your body. Kind of cool. Each one of those holes, or chakras, produces a different octave of sound, and with different combinations of the holes covered, or the chakras in and out of balance, 
different full flute sounds will emanate or different vibrations will come off of you. How you channel the breath through the flute and how you channel the breath through your body also plays a role in the intensity and the tone. The um, way that the wave flows from you. It's kind of cool. Can you kind of imagine and see that in your spine? Good. Okay. So on your body, these main centers or chakras not only have different tones and octaves, but they also rule different areas of human function, including the elements that you are made of. So we're going to switch analogies and go from the flute to making some soup. So imagine you just placed an earthen pot on a campfire. The pot has water in it and the fire is lit. Well, the earth in the earthen pot represents the root chakra, which is at the base of your spine for men near the perineum and for women near their cervix. And this earth element, well, it's the most dense of all the elements, meaning it's vibrating really slow and it can hold on to things. It really takes shape. In your body, the earth element holds information, memories, your practiced habits, instincts, your genetic programming. All of your conditioning is in the earth element of your body. It's like your hard drive with all of your unconscious programs and data. Now the water element is in that earthen pot. And water is associated with your sacral chakra, located near the top of your tailbone. When the water element flows across the earth element, it follows those memorized channels, the programs and habits, and it picks up the flavor of the information that's held in the earth. Water in movement is basically energy in motion, emotion. And this emotion is now tuned by your programming. It carries your inspirations to create, to express, to connect, to merge. This water element then picks up your wants and your not wants, your cravings, your aversions. It packs some attitude, it packs emotion. Tapping into your emotions in the moment is always a really quick way to know what it is you're made of and what's triggered. You get to know what water has activated out of that earth element. Okay, so back to the campfire. You've got your earthen pot with water now flavored with your intentions and your inspirations, your wants and your desires, being warmed. Well, what happens to water when you warm it? It vaporizes. As the water heats, the distilled essence of that information now flowing in motion, is transported up and out of the pot into the air in the form of vapor or steam. Now just imagine for a moment that you're leaning over the pot, inhaling the scent. Now the smell is directly linked to the root chakra and the earth element and the deepest of our programming and memories. So when you're leaning over the pot, inhaling the scent of what is being created, you're right down in that memory field. Cool, hey? Now imagine you've dipped a spoon in, you're tasting the flavor. Now that's the sacral chakra. Sense of taste is associated with the water element. That's the physical sensory system that is ruled by that sacral chakra.
So now you're inhaling and smelling it. You're tasting its flavor. You now know what is the essence of this creation that's at play. And then you look at it. The concoction in the pot that's being made. That's the solar plexus, the sense of sight, and the fire element activating that sense of sight. Now as that vapor starts entering into the air, it starts to create an atmosphere where all your senses are converging into a feeling. What is this scent, this taste, this sight, this environmental saturation feel like? Cool. Now we're cooking. Feeling is the sense of the heart chakra and belongs in the air element. Now as your senses take it all in, the smell, the taste, the sight, the touch, sound is produced. Sound from the fire, crackling from the water, bubbling from the sound of the steam rising, sound from your experience with it. Maybe it's mmm, maybe it's ooh, right? Sound is emanating out through ether or space, that fifth element. This element is associated with the throat chakra, which is now activating your sense of hearing. So you're smelling and you're tasting and you're seeing and you're feeling and now you're hearing and you're emanating. Are you seeing how this is all weaving together? It's a lot of complexity and yet it's super simple at the same time. When we unconsciously create, meaning we're just looping in our autopilots, our soups are being made and sounds are emanating out and the universe is receiving our memorized and conditions ideas of who we are and what we're being, which of course produces a reality that's pretty much the same. When we're aware or conscious, we merge into the body, into the flute, into the cooking experience, and we come in through the breath. Conscious breathing threads our awareness into the cells. It activates prana, that healing and rejuvenative life force. And it allows us to witness what are we cooking in the moment. Cool, hey? Once awareness is threaded in, it not only observes, it regulates. Speeding or slowing the breath, deepening it or softening it, shifting its rhythm. How much inhale, how much exhale? Where are you focusing while you're breathing? All these variables change so many things, deliberately and skillfully. We can flip ourselves from feeling panic to being calm, from lethargic to energized, from scattered to focused. It's so powerful when you enter in and start regulating your own body, your breathing, your nervous system. We can alter the amount of activation that each element has in order to shape the intensity of it and another element, finding balance and harmony. For example, over-breathers breathe fast. Lots of air element is stirring. This stirs their minds, creates lots of reactionary thinking, which whips up the air, fueling the fire, creating waves across the water, picking up more and more information from the earth element and from underneath in those deeper areas. We could drown ourselves in tears. We can dry ourselves out and have our nerves feel like they're frying. 
and we can calm the wind and settle the waters and increase or decrease the water element. We can soften the earth, we can, we can harden the earth, we can ground the body. Using water to make earth permeable allows us to change the course of our flows. We can sculpt the patterns and programs within us. Learning to connect to and work with the elements and your breath with the senses, all of it, s in deliberate and long time proven ways is so powerful in shaping a life that is intentional, inspirational, and on purpose. Now yoga, well that's a science and a technology with depths of meaning and effects far beyond the simple stretching and fitness that it provides. Yoga is union. Yoga is the yoking of the mind, the shaping of the thoughts, the control of the physical senses. Tantra is the merging of your consciousness and form. You know that sweet spot where those physical senses interface with your intuitive senses. And then what's in your reality is now opened and bridged to what's possible in the infinite of all potentials. In that sweet spot, you stay grounded in reality while you're open to modifying the programs you've inherited and learned. You spark that kundalini that lies dormant within the particles of your body. Now, Side note, kundalini is the primordial creative energy found in the void. As the particle of you and your reality are formed, it's kundalini that pulls the elements together and then sleeps inside the creation. You know, like yeast in bread being the activating ingredient in bread, bubbling and rising to give flour a shape and then laying dormant after you bake it only to stir up again once it's starting to be eaten and goes through the digestive system. Well, kundalini energy is the same. It's the yeast in your making, now waiting for you to activate it so you can digest the information that it holds. So you can choose consciously what you want to rebake into the system and what you want to let go of. Oh, I could go on and on. This is so powerful. Kundalini Tantra Yoga and the science of yoga taught me many things. So many masters with direct experience are teaching profound, profound lessons. I feel so grateful to have entered into their lineages to reap the benefit of such incredible knowledge and experience passed down generation to generation for thousands of years. It's in the training that we find that sweet spot of flow, where consciousness and form are interfaced and present, where physical and intuitive senses are merged and dovetailed. Yoga teaches us how to meet ourselves in the moment of self-discovery when that information is unpacked from the depths of our earth element so we can see it, love it, and improve it. I absolutely love being a perpetual student of flow states in yoga. What is practiced on a mat or in a mindset training 
is walked out into everyday life, proving time and time again that it's all just a simple pattern that we can tap into to create, to experience, to love, to feel, to smell and taste, to see and hear, to vision, to intend, to focus, to realize and discover, to learn, to connect, to share, to receive, to give, to manifest, to fully embody and completely live authentically, relaxed, creatively, to flow. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It always means the world to me that you do. If you'd love to explore working with me, learning to flow and not only developing your flow mind, but your flow body and your flow mastery, drop on to flowtribe.ca and check out what we're up to. I'd love to be of service. And until next time, I'll see you in the flow.